0: I am a walking testimony that you can literally hit rock bottom and then you can climb to the top of the mountain. Like, I've done both. I know what it feels like to eat from the paper plate. And I know what it feels like to eat from the glass plate. And both of those teach you something very significant.
1: I'm Carly Zakin. And I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to 9 to 5-ish with The Skin.
2: Pinky is the owner of the vegan burger chain, Slutty Vegan. In 2018, Pinky came up with the idea for Slutty Vegan in her apartment in Atlanta, where she sold some of her first orders through Instagram DMs. Later that year, she opened the first Slutty Vegan location in the city. Since then, the company has expanded to food trucks and has opened locations in New York and Alabama. In 2022, Slutty Vegan received $25 million in Series A funding, Bringing the company's valuation to $100 million. Pinky is also the founder of the Pinky Cole Foundation, a philanthropic organization dedicated to creating opportunities for financial freedom and generational wealth for the Black community. Finally, Pinky is a cookbook author. Her book, Eat Plants Bitch, is on sale now. Pinky, welcome to 9 to 5 ish. We're so excited to have you on today.
0: I'm so excited to be here. Hello.
2: So I told you this when we first logged on today, but our team asked us, who do we really want to have before the end of the year on the show? And you were the first name I said, because I am so obsessed with your story and just really excited to learn more about you.
1: Thank
0: you. I appreciate that.
1: So let's get in with our our lightning round. Quick questions, quick answers. Let's get into it. What was the first job you got paid for? Forever 21,
0: $6.50.
2: What do you think was like your favorite purchase from Forever 21? Mm, flip-flops. <laughs> oh, you know, I don't think I ever got flip-flops there. Yes. I was, I was all about those crop tops there. Yes. Crop tops, flip-flops. <laughs> what was a childhood nickname that you had? Pinky. So tell me the history there.
0: The day that I was born, I was pink. And my godmother said, she is a pink baby. We're going to call her Pinky. And my mom said, don't call my baby Pinky. And since the day that I was born, I've been pinky cold all of my life.
1: I love it. <laughs> Who do you text the most often? My mom, because she's
0: my nanny. So
1: <laughs> I'm always making sure
0: that my kids are good when I'm out of town. <laughs>
2: <laughs> when was the last time you negotiated for yourself? I feel like I negotiate for myself every damn day. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, it was a negotiation.
0: Um, my fiance was trying to get back in the building and he didn't have his credentials. So I had to negotiate with the people. It wasn't a happy negotiation, but here we are. So I had to go back and forth. Here we go. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's the next city you want to open a slutty vegan in?
0: Baltimore, my hometown.
1: What would you say
2: is the key to effectively collaborating with colleagues?
0: Humility. And being selfless because selfishness never gets you to any wins. And realizing that you can go far alone, but you can go further together.
1: What's your favorite recipe from your new book? Cheesesteak egg rolls. Ooh. You are like
2: driving alone, you got some me time. What is like your pump up song that you put on in the car? Eminem,
0: Lease yourself. It's a good one.
2: Go to karaoke song for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I am ready to learn more about you. So, I want to want to go back in time. Tell us the first time when you realized that you were destined to be an entrepreneur.
0: When I was in the house watching Days of Our Lives with my grandmother. <laughs> back in the day. Been there and done
2: that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So I was in the house watching Days of Our Lives, and my mother came in the house. And at the time, she had about three jobs. She was working as a musician. She worked at a payroll company, and she was also working at McDonald's at the same time, like part-time. And she came in the house, and her feet were really swollen. And at that moment, I'm like, yeah, this is not my life. Like, I'm going to grow up, and I'm going to be a star, and I'm going to make it, and I'm going to make sure that I take care of my mother. Because she's never going to have to walk back in the house with swollen feet because she worked so hard for somebody else for the rest of her life. And at that moment, I'm like, yeah, I got to make it.
2: Did you start talking that way or did you keep that to yourself?
0: No, that was my conversation. And I think that I got it from my dad, too. Like my father, well, he was a big time drug dealer, but I mean, here we go. But he did 22 years in prison. And my dad would call me from prison and he'd be like, you're a boss. You need to win. You need to go read these books. So like he pumped me up like it was almost like mental coaching. And he pumped me up from behind bars. So I've always had this level of confidence that there's nothing that I can't achieve. It ain't nothing that I can't do. And I'm going to win regardless because I had that spirit of like grind in me.
1: And that hustle has never died
0: since I was a kid.
1: When was that most tested?
0: I get tested all the time. I feel like all of my life I've had to prove myself, right? I've I've had to prove myself that I was smart enough, that I was good enough, um, that I was funny enough, that I was like, clever enough. But that was the best thing that could have happened to me as a kid because having to prove myself made me never get comfortable. So you know how people reach a certain level of success and like, okay, cool. I can coast. Like I've never, ever got comfortable because I always knew that I'm proving to myself that I can be the better version of who I was yesterday. So every day is always a new challenge.
1: I want to go, I mean, there's so much I want to go into, but the thing I'm struck the most about in the like three minutes we've been talking is just your optimism. Thank you. And
0: are you always like that? When we talk about like positivity, I had so much bad shit happen to me that I have no choice but to embrace positivity, right? Like I've had a restaurant that caught on fire. My car got repoed. I've had several failed relationships. I've had my heart broken. I've had people wrong me, steal from me. I've been discouraged. And where did any of that get me? Nowhere. So how can I flip the coin and move in a positive space instead of moving from a space of lack? I can get more bees or honey, no pun intended. And ever since I started changing my mindset and how I thought about the world, more positive things started coming to me. So when I wake up every day and I got a different blessing every single day, literally, it's because I'm always showing up as the best version of myself. I'm always being positive. I'm always being collaborative. And I'm always thinking in the biggest space possible that I will achieve, I will get, I can get anything I want. You can't tell me no, it's already mine. I just got to put it in my hands.
2: I feel like you're my new pump up. I, yeah. Like, to Put Eminem aside. I'm like, I just want to listen to you.
1: <laughs> it's true. I'm so struck by that. And I read, I mean, I read so many books about exactly that type of mentality. But what was the first step you actually took in your head to start changing it? Was it like one day you woke up and you're like, I'm just going to be positive and I'm going to like, that is my new life choice? Or were there like things that you put in practice every single day that helps you?
0: Well, when you lose everything physically and mentally, you ain't got nothing but everything to gain, right? I've had moments where in the darkest moments of my life, I felt like giving up and I never gave up. So if I can get to the lowest point of my life and I still can keep my head above water, then I can be positive and I could swim like a shark and a fish. And I am a walking testimony that you can literally hit rock bottom and then you can climb to the top of the mountain. Like I've done both. I know what it feels like to eat from the paper plate and I know what it feels like to eat from the glass plate. And both of those teach you something very significant. It teaches you about life. It teaches you experience about integrity, how to be unstoppable and how to be relentless. And I've learned from both of those sides. And the side that I choose is eating from the glass plate. The side that I choose is moving in a space where I can be in abundance of all the things that I want. And that is the space that I choose. So that is why I work so hard.
2: I'm struck by thinking about how you changed kind of the narrative of your family story. Tell me a little bit about your dad.
0: So, my dad, his name is Stanley. And the day that I was born on December 8th, 1987. He was being sentenced to over 30 years in prison, actually. So my mother, my godmother, was in the hospital when I came into the world. So while I was coming out the womb and and walking into freedom, he was losing his. And now that I look back over my life, that's so symbolic to me because society may say I got the shorthand of the stick, but I would not change the story for anything because it literally taught me how to, like, get it by any means necessary. And I watched my father had to pay for his decisions that he made, and he ended up staying in prison for 22 years. And I can remember as a kid going to Hagerstown, Maryland to get wandered down by a police officer, to have to sit at a six-inch round table on holidays and on birthdays, to only being able to talk to my father up to two hours at a time. And then you hear this big buzzer go off and then you got to get up and you got to walk through the doors and walk through the gates that has the metal on it and go to the car and go home and like live life regular like nothing ever happened. That was my reality growing up. And I got accustomed to that because I thought that that's what life looked like. So my reality was seeing a single mom going to work every day, working multiple jobs, coming home, making sure that we had food, going to sleep and doing it all over again. But that wasn't life for me. I didn't want to live that kind of life. So I became a hustler and I became the person that I thought that I wanted to be. I wanted to be this person that would get it and become this grizzly bear of an individual that could create and have financial freedom so that I wouldn't have to work for the rest of my life. And that's kind of like how the story started.
2: I'm like listening and and just like catching myself, like my heart racing, like I'm watching like a movie or listening to you describe a really good movie, but it's your real life. what ended up being really smart and calculated decisions that not everybody would have taken, but that got you to where you are today. And you end up going into TV production. A lot of people try to find a stable job to get that 401k. (laughs) That's a sign of stability, right? You thought about your 401k in in a different way. Walk me through kind of what your decision was around actually having that money aside and what you did with it.
0: It's a very interesting story nobody has ever asked me that so I'm glad you asked so I took my 401k I was a television producer for the Maury show and we are all familiar with Maury and it was hands down one of the best experiences of my life because I got the opportunity to meet people where they were right it didn't matter who you were I don't care if you're black white blue yellow Asian like we all got shit going on we all got problems and it was really cool because I got to connect with them on a different level. Like it didn't matter their socioeconomic backgrounds. It didn't matter where they came from, who they were, how much money they had. Like I really got to connect with people and it taught me about the world and how to view the world. So anyway, so while I was working at mori I saved up my 401k. I was working at NBC Universal and I had a 401k saved. So I pulled out my 401k. Not knowing anything about the fact that you're going to get taxed doing the 401k. I'm like, I don't care about that. I'm following my dream. I don't care. So I took out my 401k. And with the help of a family friend, I started my first business. It was called Pinky's Jamaican and American Restaurant. So now let's talk about 401k, especially when you contribute. Like I was contributing to the max, right? And I was in my early 20s when I did this. So I was already ahead of the game thinking about financial literacy, but I knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur at the same time. So what I did is I pulled my 401k out, opened up this restaurant and I was still working at Mori. So I was an entrepreneur and a full-time committed employee at the same damn time. And that only worked for so long because you cannot serve two masters, but I'm glad it happened the way that it happened because it forced me to literally take that path to become a business owner and stay that way. So when I decided to fully walk away from Maury, I uh, immersed myself in my business and like I put my, literally my blood, sweat and tears in that business.
1: What was it about owning a restaurant? Like, why was that the thing for you? I don't know.
0: Like, I, even now, I'm like, it, it really just randomly happened. One of my friends had a restaurant down the street and he was just like, hey, it's a restaurant available. Do you want to get in to open up a restaurant? I'm like, well, I'm not a chef. I think I can cook a little bit, right? I'm not like, I like to cook, but I really like to eat. So, I mean, I'm Jamaican. Yeah, I could do this. Let me see. Let me go to Google and YouTube University. And I just started researching and everything worked out. What's the first thing that you researched? How to start a restaurant, (laughs) where to find permits, how to get an LLC. Like, I was so green, right? Like I was selling McChickens in high school, right? That's the highest level of entrepreneurship outside of throwing parties. So like to be an official
1: businessman, no, I I, I didn't know what I was doing. So this season of 9 to 5-ish, we've been asking each of our guests this question. What's the hardest thing you've ever done in your career?
0: Oh, the hardest thing that I've ever done in my career. I, I had two moments. I'll tell you two. The first one is, after I had the grease fire at my restaurant in Harlem, I didn't have fire insurance. And because I didn't have fire insurance, everything in the restaurant was destroyed. So I could either stay and try to repair all the stuff, or I could leave. But I decided to leave after I got a call to work on a TV show as a casting supervisor at the time. And then eventually I got promoted to be a casting director. And that was a really hard decision to go from... Working for myself to go back into the workforce because I was always a very proud entrepreneur. I got my own. This is my business, blah, 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 to now having to walk away from that very thing that you built to have to go make somebody else's dream come true. That didn't feel good to me, but I needed to do that because sometimes we got to take steps back in order to take a million steps forward. And me taking those steps back, I wouldn't even consider back because it literally put me in position to come up with what the world now knows as Slutty Vegan. So I'm happy that I got the opportunity to go back into the field to work in TV because I was actually ironically working on a healing therapy show. So while I was overcoming the hurt from losing my business and my car getting repoed and everything else that happened in my life, I was also helping people getting the healing that they needed. And because I got the healing at the same time, it really allowed me to get back into a mental space and say, you know what, I can do this again. And that doing it again was slutty vegan. And oh boy, did I do it again, but I did it again in a really, really big way.
1: What's some of the best advice you got during that period of of healing? That it's not gonna work. (laughs) Why was that good advice?
0: You know, I always feel like when people tell us bad things, it just automatically has to cripple us. Like, okay, they said that. And like, I can't believe they said that to me. You know, I welcome negative advice sometimes because what it does is it shows me how to look at my business or my endeavors or anything that I'm doing from multiple lenses. So when people told me that Slutty Vegan wasn't going to work, guess what they did to me? It put a battery on my back. It made me want to go harder, grind harder, research more, because I'm like, all right, these people don't think that I can do it. So now I got to show up and I got to show and prove to myself that not only can I do it, I'm going to do it super, super big. When I came up with Slutty Vegan, so many people was like, no, the name is raunchy. It's racy. Like it's too provocative. Kids don't want it. Like we don't want to eat it. It's too nasty. Meanwhile, people's children are on Instagram and are on TikTok, right? But then I realized that advice only made me find the loopholes and seal them. So I welcome the negative energy and I turn that negative energy into a positive. So when you ask me what's the best advice, it's people telling me no, because it gives me motivation to keep going.
2: You started the show saying that you know you had this like, hustle mentality to, to make it and you knew that you were going to be an entrepreneur. And so when I hear that, I hear, okay, you're going to do whatever it takes. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you started off saying, I want to be a restaurateur. But you stuck within that industry. And so I'm struck like what kept you in that category in that industry when you had such a devastating setback in that one? Why not move to the next industry? Insanity.
0: <laughs> I used to call myself a restaurant tour, but as I evolve, right? As I evolve in this space and like all of the things that I'm doing, I realize I'm just a big dreamer. And everything that comes underneath the title big dreamer validates me whether that's being an author a philanthropist having multiple restaurants like i am an entrepreneur that so happens to have restaurants i am a big dreamer that so happens to sell burger spots and fries i'm a philanthropist that so happens to want to open up brick and mortars all over the place but the header here is that i'm a big dreamer and i don't know why i stayed in restaurants there's so many other things that i could do But maybe my spirit was just guiding me to stay in this place because there's something called Slutty Vegan that's happening and you don't know about it yet, but I need you to stay right here because this thing is going to be a billion-dollar brand. And I'm so glad that I stayed because staying got me a brand that is now making me a household name. How did you come up with this name? I was sitting in the house with my ex at the time, and it hit me like a light bulb. We were watching football, and out of nowhere, Slutty Vegan, just literally out of the sky. And I'm like, oh! This is a good idea. I like slutty.
2: (laughs) And like, is there a specific player that inspires us? Yeah. Like that looks like a slutty vegan. It's called
0: medicinal (laughs) marijuana. That's the player. But but, um, no, seriously, it literally came out of nowhere. And I called up my best friends and I'm like, what do you think about this name, slutty vegan? And they're like, yo, Pinky, that's a dope idea. Like, I really like that. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, let me call around and ask some other people. And I called some of my close friends. But I knew this was something special because I didn't want to share it with a lot of people. Because I'm like, all right, when you think about veganism, right, and then you think about the word slutty, these two words don't go together. They're not even in the same sentence.
2: But like were you a vegan already? Like, is that something that you were passionate about? Like, I was vegan. Okay, so you this wasn't yeah. like out of left field.
0: No, it wasn't out of left field. I've really been on this journey for a long time. I ain't new to this. I'm true to this, right? So like when I came up with the idea, I'm already familiar with the lifestyle. I'm the only vegan that I know. So like I'm the person that's reading all the labels. I'm the person that can only eat a side salad and fries everywhere I go because there's no options for the vegan. So when I came up with that idea, It was to really solve a personal problem. I wanted to create something on a late night that was open after everything else was closed. When I first started Sleady Vegan, my hours were 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. every single day because I wanted to have something that opened up a little bit later. Then I shifted my hours to close at midnight because vegan restaurants close at 8 p.m. And the name literally was a racy name to get people to pay attention to veganism. But I didn't even realize that I was solving a universal problem. I didn't even realize that I was going to be the person to help people transition their lifestyle to veganism because people were ignorant to the idea of plant-based living. People didn't know. And now here I am, I'm freeing all the people and, and telling them that you can be vegan and you can eat healthy. And even if it's vegan comfort food, it can be cool. And it just was like a domino effect. And for the last four years, when I tell you, every single year I've been in the media, every single year my company has grown year over year. I've, I've been considered one of the most emerging entrepreneurs I've had every title and accolade you could think of, all because of this one little idea in my two-bedroom apartment that I didn't give up on and that I kept going with.
1: What did you see resonate with investors when you started pitching this? I never had to pitch Slutty Vegan. Never. And you know why
0: I never had to pitch Slutty Vegan? It's, it's because my confidence radiated to the ears of the people who needed to hear it. And when I say that, I mean that I kept my head in the books so long that people wanted to be a part of what I had going on. So I didn't have to beg, borrow, steal, pitch, knock on the doors, ask for permission. I didn't have to do none of that. There were people knocking on my door. There were people saying, hey, we like what you got going on. Let's chat, which is so humbling. I know it doesn't happen that way for a lot of people. And for me to be able to have that opportunity to build something so magnetic that people want to be a part of, I don't take that for granted. And I feel like the people who I have professionally gotten in bed with were confident enough to know that if I bet my money on this girl, I'm gonna make back 10 fold. And I think that they were confident about that. And I can guarantee that they're pretty happy about it right now.
1: As we mentioned at the top of the episode, you're also the founder of the Pinky Cole Foundation. And you said you started it because it doesn't feel good to be the only person winning. You wanna see others win, which is, I mean, just so refreshing. What motivated you to start the foundation? My mom has
0: always been a giver, a Jamaican woman wanting to help everybody, wanting to make sure that everybody is good. She has always been that person to me that just literally would give the shirt off her back. So I evolved as a woman and became my mother. So when I created the Pinky Cole Foundation, I wanted to do what my mother did. I wanted to help people like it is cool to know that like, I can utilize my resources to make other people better. And we've done so much with the foundation. I paid the rents to local businesses so that they didn't have to close. I partnered with the Department of Juvenile Justice to provide second chance opportunities for men who went to prison. When Rashard Brooks was murdered in the Wendy's parking lot, myself and my fiance, we got life insurance for the family, a brand new car, and scholarships for the kids so much. I can go on and on. It's like, we have literally done so much work to be able to better the ecosystems in which we live in. And that to me feels so good because it feels better than money. The money is great. The money does what it needs to do to make sure that all the bills are paid. But knowing that I can help people and knowing that my platform changed the lives of people, that's the real one for me. And I've been winning for the last four years.
2: I love that so much. And it is so, so inspiring You've got a new cookbook out called Eat Plants, Bitch, which I'm not a vegan, but like I really want to own something like that on my <laughs> shelf. Uh, what is next? What have, you, what have you not done like that you're, they're like, this is on my bucket list. This is what I want to do next.
0: So I want to do a doll. I want to do a pinky cold affirmation doll. So you see my doll with red locks oh my God, I and love you this. press a little button and something positive comes out. I love it. Um, but yes, I, I want to come out with a doll. I want to come out with a sustainable clothing or a purse line. I believe that the Pinky Cole brand is a household name. So I want to come out with a kitchenware line. And I'm also a part-time rapper. I don't know if y'all heard, but like I'm a poet. So
1: no, let's talk
0: about
2: that. Let's, let's stop there.
0: My EP is going to be coming out really soon. And I'm not even a rapper. But what's cool about it is that I am showing people that you can do all the things that people don't think that you could do. Like, I am not a one-trick pony. I'm multi-talented. And I want the world to be able to see that talent. And I'm looking forward to all the craziness that will happen in the next couple of years with new locations, with new opportunities. I will be as big as Oprah. And I'm looking forward to that.
2: Pinky, I have literally no doubt that you will be. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm just sitting here like my mouth open. I'm like, yes, you absolutely you. will be. And I can't wait to meet her. I love her.
1: Pinky, we've got two questions to wrap up with. The first is a listener question from Nina. Nina says, I didn't grow up in a culture that emphasized community and helping each other out unconditionally. And I feel like I'm missing that in my life. What's your advice on how I can build community so I can be helpful to others and actually make an impact on the place I live in?
0: friends can become family. Family creates culture. You don't have to share blood with family to create culture. One thing I respected about my mother always is it was strangers that she would help. It wasn't so much necessarily family. It was the strangers who needed somewhere to go, who needed somewhere to stay. Strangers became friends and friends became family. So my advice to you is create more friendships, create new friendships, that ultimately creates family. And that family will allow you to build that culture around that family. And you'll be able to feel how that feels to have unity, to build that ecosystem. And it's the best feeling in the world to know that you can lean on others and they can lean on you as well.
1: Last question. Who else should we have on the show? My fiance, he's a rock star.
2: Can you give him a shout out for a second? Because I'm very excited by this um, joining of worlds. Shout out
0: to my boo, my Beyonce, my baby daddy. That's my little nickname for him. He is also a restaurateur, philanthropist, upcoming author. He has three locations in the Mercedes Benz Arena, two locations in Atlanta. So a total of five locations.
2: Locations of what? You didn't say the name of his business. Oh, oh, Big Dave's Cheesesteaks. So the irony, he sells
0: cheesesteaks, I sell vegan food.
2: Okay, so you got big days, cheesesteaks, bloody vegan, same household. We get to coexist in the same space, even though we
0: live two totally different dietary lifestyles. And that just shows you that no matter what you got going on separately, people can always come together. No matter who you are, your color, your creed, your race, it don't matter. You can always come together and we are living proof.
2: If a vegan can fall in love with a cheesesteak owner, what else can't we do?
0: <laughs> right, exactly.
2: <laughs> Pinky, thank you so much. Honestly, like I just i am so inspired to hear your story and I've learned a lot. And I know that you will be the next Oprah, so we can say that we heard it here first. Thank you so much. And I pray that everybody picks up my new book. It's called
0: Eat Plants, Bitch. It's available everywhere where books are sold, online, Barnes and Nobles. Please pick it up. You will not be disappointed.
1: Great holiday gift. Yes. Peaky. thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of 9 to 5-ish with The Skim. A new episode will be in your feed again next Wednesday.
2: In the meantime, check out our news podcast, Skim This. Every
1: Thursday, we cover what you need to know each week in 30 minutes or less. And if you want to keep up with us in between episodes, follow us on Instagram at Carly and Danielle.
2: It's a really good account. I promise.